Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to volume two, number four, I think I got that right, of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. That's Murray McCormick. I'm me. Um, and that was, what's the name? Mark, what's All Star? Is that the name of that song again? I always forget the name of that song. All Star. So, anyhow. I love that song. It's a it gets, be- gets me pumped. Beautiful, eh? inspiring song. Especially on a couple days like this where it's a little chilly and stuff. It gets you kind of motivated to talk football. Well, I, I, I hope I am more motivated than I sound. I'm congested as all could be. So, I'm going to dedicate their, allow Mr. McCormick <laughs> to talk continuously and extemporaneously for the remaining so 20 minutes. So, nasal meets nasal, I guess. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, only one topic in town right now. Uh, yeah. Who's going to be the Rough Riders head coach? Murr, who is going to be the Rough Riders next? Let's episode. touch on this a little bit and see if we can fire up a little bit of action out there. If Stephen McAdoo hadn't had the 2018 season, we wouldn't even be in this debate right now. I think he would have been the no-brain choice to step up to being head coach, with his, considering the circumstances. But they can't sell Stephen McAdoo. I don't see a possible way. How could you? Like, you'd have a field day with it, with every column about McAdoo can't do and all this stuff, but... You know, so then you go to Craig Dickinson. There's two dream candidates for a columnist. One, Stephen McAdoo. Two, Jerry Glanville. Sorry yes. for interrupting. That's very true. And I think both of them have very small chances of ever <laughs> taking place. And it's, and it's too bad for Steve because I've talked to him. And I know we had, the proof is in the pudding. We saw it was on the field. We saw what that offense did. We saw the, imp- the problems with it. But here's a guy, a, life, a lifer, being groomed to be a head coach. An opportunity comes up with the team that he's with. And they just can't sell him on that. And I, I don't know how, and you can't. I don't think, I think O'Day's much, Jerry O'Day's much smarter than that. So you take him out of the equation. Here's a question though. Do you allow optics to dictate your choice? If you firmly, if you've, if you're Jeremy O'Day and you've interviewed a handful of candidates, say, and you're firmly of the belief that's of the five of them or four of them or whatever, that Stephen McAdoo interviewed most impressively, that he's the most prepared to be the head coach. Do you, in good conscience, making your first major decision as a Rough Riders general manager, allow optics and public sentiment to influence your decision, or do you do what you think is the right thing? How, if you're, if you, let's say he interviewed exceptionally well, and you're yeah. Jeremy O'Day, and that's the conclusion that you've reached. Uh, it's like of the, uh, you went speed dating, and of the five people you sat across the table with, the one you would most like to look take like on you. a second date is Stephen McAdoo. Yeah. Uh, what, how do you, how do you act against your conscience? What kind of tone does that set for your, for your tenure as and a general manager other, if you allow optics to override logic as, as you've, side, as you've determined it? On the other side, the optics do define what's going on and they do like, do we blame Stephen McAdoo for everything that happened? Like Zach Claris getting injured. He had no injured. quarterbacks. He had no quarterbacks. Had, Receivers weren't great. No, so he didn't have much to work with. Compared to the defense, he didn't have a heck of a lot to work with. So he has to deal with that. But I don't know. I just think the Ryder Nation is all looking at this to be the hire, the one to follow the one up on Jeremy O'Day, which, you know, in six days, and it looks like a home run. I just can't see this. What's the, okay, so maybe you talk, what's the selling point on McAdoo? So other than he's a long, long CFL lifer. He won a great cup, pretty good offenses, wherever he's gone to last year. And how do you sell that? Maybe that's, maybe that's a lot of the sell. You say, look, this man has been a great cup champion, the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, Chris Jones, who we, to, in whom we entrusted a lot, thought enough of Stephen McAdoo to make him An assistant the, head coach. the right-hand man, basically. 
And take a look at 2017 when the Rough Riders led the league with 35 touchdown passes and seldom was there a reason for anyone in the media to talk to Stephen McAdoo yep. and ask. Nobody asked him what's 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 gone right in 2017. I did. I did. A lot of people asked him what's gone wrong yeah. in 2018. And to his credit, he stood up and answered that. And, and he, I know I know the answer. And answers. that's a trait that could serve him well because he is yeah. accountable. Because that's... People didn't like his answers. They didn't find him in depth enough and stuff. Well, he's not going to tell you everything he knows because other teams watch us. He's got to keep his his information close to him. But he wasn't happy. He heard the booze. He heard everything going on. He knew the blame. He stood up in the box. So he was accountable, very accountable. He doesn't really like dealing with the media. He would always say something, look at me and go. Well, I don't either. Like right now, for example. That's true, too. But you know, dealing <laughs> with sorry. me, but I think you're nice. But he would always kind of have a, a word or two for me to see my face. And I go, well... You know, do better, we're not talking to you. So he was, but that's another part of that. Yeah, but do you want, as Jeremy O'Day on the other side, do you want to take on justifying your head coach as your first hire when you could maybe find another guy who would maybe step yeah. in and be a little less controversial, but, you know, maybe a little more disruptive? But uh, I don't and know. And this is all proud, this is all founded on the supposition that of the candidates, if Jeremy O'Day were to look at them and say, I really liked Stephen McAdoo. Then. And we don't know that, but I'm just specula speculating about the or ruminating about the degree to which optics should be allowed to to dictate the decision. Well, you'd be the optical guy, so you'd be like, so is he ready to read in your paper, our paper every day? Rob's ripping their head coach because they hired the wrong guy. Well, well, one thing last year did prepare him for is the fishbowl. Yeah, because there, I think there was as much, if not more, criticism of Stephen McAdoo than there was Chris Jones. That's very true. So he might be ready from that standpoint he know he, i don't think he's going to be walking in thinking that this is disneyland so mm -hmm. uh again i i'm not saying that stephen mcadoo is the right choice or the wrong choice i'm just i'm just arguing that optics might not be the right basis on which to decide the head yeah. coach well there's a community-owned team there's a community-owned aspect of it and he's got to do all those kind of things so you know i, I, I mean we don't know i i think the if i had to bet um yeah I would say Craig Dickinson at this stage. I think it's shaping up that way. But you know, the thing is, everyone wants to know right now. And we have to let the process go through the process. Like Jeremy O'Day is out there interviewing people all the time. And we're going to keep hearing more interviews. I know yesterday's big news was the fact he interviewed McAdoo and Dickinson. Well, yeah, he said he was going to interview internally. So that's not yeah. a surprise. And those are the candidates. Those are the candidates. So he's got to do that. I think he's out there pounding the pavement he's probably visiting a lot of guys in a lot of airports you know let's meet here and we can go there and talk and he's going to come up with the guy he wants the guy that he needs and i as i joked on twitter he sounds like he's describing ken miller a lot of the time i thought about the, that you know like ken, ken miller ken miller wasn't a glamour hire no he wasn't a marquee hire now ken ken, ken uh pardon me eric tillman had the capital in his corner of having just won a great cup as a general manager. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he could have hired you and I, and people would have given him a mulligan after what happened with hiring Ken Austin. He was going to yep. get, you know, if, if it was a bad choice, people would still say, yeah, but that's the guy that hired Ken Austin. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this case, Jeremy O'Day, O'Day, it's your first hire. So I think there's more pressure to get it right. If that makes any sense. But if, yeah. if you can find an, uh, a sort of a under the radar candidate like Ken Miller was, there's so much substance to the man. Yeah, you know, what if what if he were to see that in one of these candidates that nobody's clicking their heels about? Ultimately, 
what happens on the field will will prove or disprove the wisdom of whatever choice they make. But they're in a situation now where I don't think they're going to get a, no. for lack of a better term, marquee candidate as a head coach because there doesn't seem to be one out there. Uh, unless something changes with the Paul Lapolis situation. Uh, there's been no speculation no. about Mark Tressman. So it's not going to be one of those coaches, coaching hires that incites somebody to, uh, you know, schedule even, a parade. Even the talk about Mike Benavides, who is a decent, another good guy, another you know, comparable coach, but Edmonton's defense wasn't that great in the second half of the season. There's a reason why. I, the, the salary cap, but I think they didn't want him back because of the way Edmonton's. And they didn't make the playoffs last and, year yeah, when, so they, when they're hosting the great That's what I find it funny when all these names get. And I, I'm as guilty as anybody else for taking names and throwing them up against the wall and seeing what they stick. But, you know, we got to look what Benavides did. Probably one of the worst defenses in the league. But if you, let's yeah. look at Mike Benavides as a head coach, though. He was in a situation where Wally Buono was there, and there was a specter of Wally Buono the whole time. And it wasn't totally unlike the Greg Marshall situation yeah. <laughs> in Regina. And, and they still had a pretty good record in BC despite all that. Mike Benavides has never had a chance to be a head coach without the former head coach hovering yeah. over him. Even if even if it wasn't meddling or anything like that, there's still the there's still the shadow of a Wally Buono there. There still was the shadow of, of a Ken Miller here in 2011. Do we know if Mike Benavides can be a, a good head coach a very good head coach in a situation that's yeah. that's more conducive to success. I look at Brendan Tamman in in 2010 and a lot of people or 2011 a lot of people thought that firing Brendan Tamman was the automatic right decision. But again, Ken Miller was ultimately in charge of football operations and yeah. Jim Hobson made a gutsy call didn't take optics into consideration because the optic friendly move at that point was to fire Brendan Tamman. There's your parade. And but he stuck with Brendan Tamman, but gave him authority yeah. that he'd lacked the previous year. Two years later, the Riders are a Great Cup champion. What if Mike Benavides were to come here and have the kind of authority that he didn't possess or couldn't possess in BC? We yeah. still don't know that. Yeah. I can tell you a story about Mike Benavides. One of the first times nice I man. Met, first time I met him, I introduced myself to him. I said, I'm Murray McCormick. He says, of course I know you, Murray. You write Rider Rumblings. We read that all the time back in the old days. But do and, they watch the podcast? Well, hopefully. Hopefully, give me a call, Mike, someday. <laughs> so, but he's, he's he is a very nice man. He always said hi. Always asked how the families are. He'd people, be a good fit from a, from a from, just from as a guy. Yeah, as a guy, and he, he could be least disruptive of some of the other guys. You just come in, make him the head coach. It could be the DC or something like that, and you have that position filled. That takes you back to Craig Dickinson. A couple of warning signs or signs of concern with Craig back in twelve or thirteen. He didn't want to do the job full time. Didn't want to be wanted to spend some time in his winters off. So he wasn't retained. Being a head coach in the CFL is like 12 hours a day, 24-7. And uh, he's never been a head coach before. And I know that's you know, that's something you can't get till you get. <laughs> but three of the riders, four Grey Cup winning head coaches had never been a head coach before. The okay. only one was Eagle Keys. Yeah. So there's that. Doesn't, there's that to take into effect. And as, uh, as I, I mentioned, being a special teams coach, you have a good idea of the whole roster because you know – when they're drafting guys, you're looking at Canadians. Yeah, he can play on this part of their special teams. He can play all four special teams. And, and the all guys get to know him really well. And we've I've watched them in practice, and they react to him. Like, he, he's enthusiastic. He knows what he's doing. He's, he expresses himself in a way that gets his ideas and uh, schemes across. Same thing said, 
It's a whole other game when you're the head coach and you're telling another guy what to do. You know what I like about the idea of, of a special teams coach being a head coach is that you don't have the offense or defense label. So when you're constructing a team and you got to play it right down the middle, you're not perceived as an offensive coach or a defensive coach. And when you're trying to look, look at your roster, when you're trying to balance the cap, you're not thinking, well, gee, okay, I'm an offensive I'm the offensive coordinator as well, so when we're signing free agents, we'd better give precedence to offensive right. players. Or the converse the being finding defensive players. If you're a special teams head coach, a special teams coordinator and the head coach, you're not preferentially, subconsciously or consciously treating either side of the football. You're saying, okay, let's build a team. Yeah. We don't have to make sure we have a good defense because that's my defense. We don't have to make sure we have a good offense because that's my offense. So wouldn't that be a nice neutral hiring just because of the nature of his position, the, the, of the position that he would maintain in addition yeah, to being the head coach? That's a good thought. And as I said, because he, he knows the team inside out. He really He's involved, very involved in the drafting. But being a head coach is, is delegation. There's all those kind of things you have to learn to spread around. So he's got to learn how to do that too. Dealing with the media, I think, would be pretty easy for him. He Dealing with people is very easy for yeah, him. Yeah, he's very people-oriented, way better than... Uh, Chris was, mind you, Chris was okay. He was fine to talk to. He just didn't get that chance very often. No, he just... Ex- on, in an informal basis. Never, like I said, I don't know him. I don't know the man. And I do I know Ken Miller? I got to know him a little bit. He got to know his like... His wife better than anybody. Better, yeah, you know. <laughs> and Go Corey Chamberlain. I got to know Troy Chamberlain a little bit. I didn't realize how well I knew him until I was on Mount Tremblant and he was asking questions about my personal life and stuff. So I thought, oh. Because usually coaches are just football. It's, there's no looking yeah. this way. It's all there's, that way. there's blinders, and especially and even with the media, like I said, Chris Jones once I made this up as are just Chris Jones once figured out the media can't help him win a game, so why is he going to help the media? And is that right or wrong? That's what he. That's what I. That's my opinion of him was. And that's fine. He can do whatever he wants. And now he's going to be working with the Browns and probably never have to talk to the media again. But I think if you look at it, I mean, Chris Jones is leaving. There was no real investment in the community. Lived oh, in a man. hotel. And and if you, if you look at it in fairness, this is somebody who in the United States, lived in the United States half the year. That was where he was holding camps. It was impractical yeah. for him to live in Regina during the off season. And good luck flying in and out of the city yeah. if you're going to or from the States. And as far as during the season, he was a football hermit. So it really didn't serve much of a purpose for yeah. him and he to, doesn't to live cook, in a hotel. And he doesn't clean. Doesn't mm, do sounds any. like a sports writer. Yeah. So... <laughs> But that be, that being said, I think it would be a, a good change if we are talking optics now for a Rough Riders head coach to to have more of a tangible commitment to the community. Somebody who would buy a house here, somebody who could go to a sports dinner or two, somebody who could mingle with the fans. Chris Jones never let really let people get to know him. When they did, I think they generally liked him, but those opportunities were scarce. Yeah. You meet Craig Dickinson, you like him. And I, th- I think that would be a real good face for the organization because there isn't a nicer person in the league. Yeah. And I think his, his credentials are well established over 16 years as a coach in the CFL. The bloodlines are good. He's smart. And a lot of, a lot of coaching involves managing people. You're yeah. a boss. You've got to manage people. I don't see any issue with Craig Dickinson managing people. That's yeah. a given when you're talking about him, is it not? Yeah, I think it's a good point. So what do we what do we look outside the organization? We talked about Mike. Mark Tressman, I think, is a non who knows. We can't know. Maybe that'll flare up again, but I would is doubt Ken it. Is Ken Austin even in the picture? It gets obviously he says there's zero chance, so there's zero chance of him coming back. Jerry Glanville would be funny, but seventy seven. I think there's a little bit of a youth movement going on there, a little more than that. Who's left? 
I think we pretty much mined the La list. Police and uh, Jamie L. Elizondo. Elizondo. And, you know, people are up in the arms about Winnipeg declining their opportunity to interview them. They're within their rights to do that. And I think it just creates an unemployment, unemployment situation where one of your top employees, you just said, no, you can't move on to a better position. You gotta, and supposedly Paul LaPolice is upset about this. You know, what goes around comes around, though. Yeah. There will come a day. Maybe Paul just didn't want to see that clip of him slamming his hat down in <laughs> nine over and over and over again. There'll, be, there'll come a day, though, and it, it came once for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, where in February they're looking yeah. for a head coach, and they hired Paul LaPolice in early February of, of 2010 from the Rough Riders, and clearance was given then. Who took over as OC for them when they did that? I'm sure there will, I'm sure there will be a day when yeah. down the road where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, once again in February, March, are looking yeah. for a head coach, and they'll be asking people, can we talk to your people? Yeah. You know, it's it's a very small tent Should that they, they allow live them? In. Should they allow them Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not, they, we're not, they're not so far into the game that they, they should be holding yeah. people back. It's it's still January. Look at the weather. Football it, season isn't anywhere Do you remember him in coaching Winnipeg, though? Do you have any sort of memories of that two-year stint? I don't really remember him. We got him to a great cup. Did he? That's true, eh? 2011. Yeah. That's true. That's pretty good. This is so, win, though. No, but yeah. uh, that had been a team that had been... They'd been down. You know, he took over a team that needed a lot of work. Yeah. And in year two, got him to the Grey Cup. So there was that. He, and got the shaft subsequently to that. Never really... Maybe like Mike Benavides in in, uh, in BC, you never really got a chance to get a definitive assessment of Paul Lapolis yeah, as a head coach in Winnipeg. Yeah. Same as Mike Benavides in, uh, in BC, so... Yeah. Mike knows the game. I don't know. You want to talk about free agents? I guess that's, I don't know. Hmm. Number one signing the Riders must sign off their own team. Well, Willie Jefferson. Number two? Um, you, you, mentioned in your, you mentioned in your story, well, naming Roosevelt. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, they Shaq Evans had more receiving yards than Naaman Roosevelt last year. What I, and Roosevelt I, was hurt near the end of the year, he but he hurt. wasn't. He wasn't their best receiver when he was on the field. But they he, didn't have quarterbacking either. But, but he led that team. He was the guy who organized the nights out at Memories. He, you know, if a guy was having problems adapting or learning about Virginia, he was first guy to step up. So you know, he was tried to help. I think he tried to help Jerron Carter steer him along the right way. But Jordan Williams Lambert gone, I think it increases the, yes, the that's necessity what I, that's what I, of, of they got to get someone and. and you know, they need someone with some veteran experience. Like Patrick Lavoie can play fullback and slot back and stuff. And uh, Jake Hardy you know, can come back. Here's one. Weston Dressler was a free agent. Yeah, we know. You know <laughs> if, that, if you'd asked me that question, you know, a couple of January 15th or January 14th, it says, no way. He's not a Chris Jones type of guy. All of a sudden, maybe he is a Chris Jones type of guy. Yeah. That, I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of old. He's getting banged up. I like Dressler, and I think... But when, like, he, when he played for the Bombers oh, last year, they were a way better team than oh, when he didn't substan- play. And I've always said this. The numbers b- bore that out. I've never and still haven't seen a guy practice as hard as Weston Tressler. Never, ever. Not in my life have I seen a guy put in. Every practice, every step, every route was like it was the most important route. And I've ne- I always respect him for that. And I think if people go to a practice and wherever, then you watch Weston Tressler and you see how you got to practice to be a pro. And he... It truly sets the standard yeah. in my mind. The Don Nars, Don Narcisse, Roger Aldeg school of yeah, you're there to work. You've got to make the team every practice. That's like Jason Claremont was like that, and Jerron Carter here. was never like that. Yeah, <laughs> at first but he had talent. He had talent. He could imagine if you had to have the heart or half the drive of a a Dressler or those kind of guys and had done those kind of things. But 
John Carter kind of perked his head up on Twitter the last couple of days. That was interesting stuff, was it not? Yeah, I think it was interesting. I think it's basically they're confirming what the media had been reporting all along. Yeah. And uh, but did not, but which the team denied vehemently at the time. Yeah. But I'm the one who missed the fight, so I'm. Yeah, I'm, I was like, do you want to show you the tooth I was getting yanked? I said, <laughs> that day. They should have yanked your whole head for that, having making me cover practice. I that don't day. know. If, that was far enough away. I'll give you a, a bit of a mulligan on that because it was down on the other side of the field, and we always watch now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Duran Carter if someone wants to pick him up. Somebody will. Tell him. So talented. Like, you know, just think last year when we were talking about him playing both ways. You know, a generational type player, a kind of guy that's going to change the way the CFL is thinking. And he's only twenty eight; yeah, he can still be that guy. But found out he really couldn't be that guy under the current. Well, they they totally messed his situation around yeah. last year. Put put your best put your best receiver at cornerback. That's really ingenious. Exactly. Yeah. So, so whose fault that? Maybe, that, maybe that doesn't help Stephen McAdoo's case. Is that McAdoo's back exactly. I have a doctor's appointment, so I must run oh, or that's walk very good. slowly. You want so. me to read this, Murray? Please read the thing at the end thank you sorry thank you. sorry to so abruptly terminate the podcast like, today, i just but. wanted to say that rob is looking good he's uh, if you follow him on facebook he's being accountable himself trying to eat better sleep better work out a whole lot more and uh maybe there'll be less to see of us as this podcast progresses i hope so week by week i want there to be a le- uh, somewhat kind of there's some kind of difference visually well, i can see it already now you shaved and you didn't cut yourself well, i got myself somewhere around there oh, okay anyway well you know we're here you going I love doing this part because I love da, being da, 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 da. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us grow the podcast. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me. me oh, huh? Email Take Rob. Two. <laughs> Boo. Let's try that. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we might read your question on the show. And as an added bonus, we'll answer it too. We're trying to grow the podcast, but not the podcasters. I may have right. used that joke before. That's a good cast. For one podcaster, I'm another podcaster. Thanks for being with us. And uh, here's to Ron Lancaster from the podcasters. Uh, Take care.